Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you and uh, to be able to be with you. Uh, it's just uh, an interesting thing to think about freedom, because this series is entitled Live Free. And yet it's so hard for us to really fully figure out how to do that. Because it seems like, though we want to be free, we always seem to kind of want to go back into bondage. And, and that's true of nations all throughout history. It very easily could be true of our nation in the years to come if we don't guard the freedoms that have been given to us. And that's true in our own personal lives. I, I, I see in our own lives how we can become under bondage to things that hold us down and press us back. God says, I want you to live free. I want you to live free. Well, we uh, uh, are starting uh, the second week of this series. And to preface it, I want to just tell you that if I were driving to Grimes, let's say, and I got to 141, and right after I got off of the ramp there, my car stopped. I would, first thing, get out, and I'd lift the hood. And the only problem with me lifting the hood of my car is I have absolutely no idea how anything under there works, okay? As long as it works, I'm golden, okay? But if it doesn't, if it's not water or adding some oil, then I'm lost. Got a problem, but I don't know how to solve it. Now, that's, I think, true for us. Let me give you the life principle we learned last week. It's this. It's impossible to solve a problem when you don't know what's wrong to begin with. It's impossible because you've got to know what's wrong to be able to fix it. That's what was wrong with the Apostle Paul. He knew he had a problem, but he didn't know how to solve it. He put it this way in Romans seven fifteen: I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And we've all been there. We've all said at one point or another in our life, what's wrong with me? You know? I got a problem, but I don't know how to solve it. Then Paul goes on in verse 24, and he concludes his thoughts this way. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me? from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Now, last week we were reminded that when Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin came into this world. And sin is that which takes away our freedom. And it was as if all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've disobeyed our God. And sinfulness rules in our lives. So we learned last week that sinfulness is a noun. Okay? When Adam sinned by eating of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he brought a power. He brought a thing upon all of human race called sinfulness. It's a noun. And what that noun does when it gets a hold of our lives, not only does it bring death, because that was the promise of a penalty if we sinned against God, but 
it also creates behaviors. Those are the verbs. So the noun sinfulness expresses itself or is revealed in behaviors. Things like lying and cheating, lusting, envy, cursing. Go down the list of all of those behaviors that come out of the noun sinfulness. So we start asking ourselves, what can I do to fix this? What can I change that'll take care of this? What can I read that'll help me know how to deal with this? Who can I go to for counsel that will guide me through this? The problem is, the what will never take care of our problem. And so Paul realized, we've got to find the who who can take care of our problem. Because all the things we do, we don't know how to fix the problem. We know we've got a problem. We have to deal with it almost every day. But we don't know how to fix it. And so Paul makes this statement in Romans 7, 24, 25. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? That's that principle, that power, that, that thing that came on us when Adam, and understand something, Adam was our representative. So whatever he would do would pass down to all of his heritage. And it's passed down to us. Paul says, who is going to free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Who? And then he tells us the who. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's Paul's thesis. The thesis is, just as one single unrighteous act of one man, Adam, brought the penalty of sin and sinfulness and ensured that we would be slaves to sin, so the single righteous act of one capital M man, Jesus Christ, frees us from the power of sin. Now, what I want you to understand before we go into the rest of the lesson and pray and do that, is that when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, what he did was he solved our problem. Okay? And he paid the penalty for sinfulness. He took care of the result of sin, which is death by dying in our place and being raised again to eternal life for us. And that's what we're going to see today. I want you to get this concept. I want to get this concept because I think it's one of the hardest things that Christians ever deal with in our, in our faith. And that is to realize that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for the noun, sinfulness. And when he did that, that also took care of the behavior, but we got to wait till next week to understand that, okay? It's unbelievable what Jesus did. So let's pray and ask God to speak to our hearts and then look at that and I hope learn much from God's Word. Father, I thank you for every person in this room, and I thank you for uh, all that you have done for us through Jesus. We're so humbled. We are so humbled to uh, have faith, 
And so many of us in this room have a faith to believe that you are the Son of God and that you died for us and you paid that sinfulness penalty. And it's all gone. Thank you. Now guide and direct us as we study. Holy Spirit, you alone can teach us what we need to understand, even to be ready for the next two weeks of study. So may you lay that foundation in our hearts and minds today. Help us to rejoice in you. And we'll give you the praise, O Christ, in your name. Amen. So Paul goes on in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, and he says this. Well then, okay, so we've been set free. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And he says, of course not. Because since we have died to sin... How can we continue to live in it? Okay? So he's making a very interesting statement. He says, if Jesus died and paid the penalty for sin, and it's all gone, it's been buried in the depths of the deepest sea, it's been removed as far as the east is from the west, it's been covered under the blood of Christ, it, it's never to be remembered again, our sinfulness. Those are all promises of the Bible. Well, if that's true, then what do we do about this stuff that we call sin? He said, should we keep doing that stuff? And, and then it seems like all of a sudden it just kind of dawned on Paul. <laughs> and he made this statement. He said, he said, don't you know? Here's how he puts it. He says, or it's Romans 6, 3 through 4. Or have you forgotten? Don't you know? Hasn't it sunk in that when we were joined with Christ Jesus, now watch this, in baptism, we joined him in his death. Now, what's interesting is a lot of people take that and they say, oh, so when you get baptized, then you're forgiven. No. See, that's not what this is talking about at all because the word baptism has nothing to do with religion or water. The word baptism here means in pla to place in, to immerse, to put something in something. Okay? So... We were baptized into the death of Christ. What that means is we were put into Christ when he died on the cross. Now watch again what Paul says. He says that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, you were in Christ. We joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. We were in Christ when he died on the cross. He was our representative, just like Adam was our representative, and he brought sinfulness on all of the world. Christ was our representative. We were baptized in him, in his death. In other words, when he died, we died to sin. And, and that death that he experienced, we experienced. He was our representative. He was representing us. We were in him. Now notice what Paul says. 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Then he says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Now, this is a struggle for Christians to get a hold of. See, because we believe, well, when I get saved, when I, when I ask Christ to come into my life and forgive me, then my sins are all gone, and then I just go out and sin and sin and sin. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Well, how can you and I be dirty, rotten sinners if we're dead to sin? How? Now, that's where we're going the next two weeks. I hope you won't miss it because it will help you to live free. It's a whole understanding that I don't think many Christians get a hold of. And I see so many of the pastors that write books and, and preach these famous sermons. I see them working with it and working around it and trying to get a hold of it and trying to communicate it to people. But I think it's the hardest thing to get into our mind. That when Jesus Christ died on the cross, we were in him. We died to sin. And by faith, everything that he bought for us and did for us on the cross is ours and so what Paul is saying is this. Have you forgotten that you, through your faith in Christ and your repentance, have been taken out of Adam? You've been taken out of sinfulness. The noun is gone. Sinfulness is gone. Okay? And you've been placed into Christ. Baptized into his death. So, all the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection have been applied to us because we're in Christ and Christ is in us. And Paul says that over and over again as if he's trying to get something into our dense hearts and heads. You're forgiven. It's gone. It has no power. So often we think, boy, is that going to be great when we get to heaven and all that sinfulness thing is gone. It's going to be so wonderful. And what Paul's trying to say is, hey, it's all gone now. You don't have to wait for heaven. It's all gone now. Now, yes, we live in a sin-cursed world. And yes, we live in bodies that are temptable. But sin is gone. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He destroyed sinfulness. He took it away. Romans 6, 6 says this. We know that our old sinful selves, that's us in Adam, the noun, sinful. We know that our own sinful selves were crucified. They died. Our old sinful self died with Christ so that, why? So that sin might lose its power in our lives. See, when we're in Christ and Christ is in us, sin has no power over us. You say, oh, but Tom, you didn't live with me this week. 
Sin has no power over us. You know why? Because it was defeated and done away with on the cross for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And this is the hardest thing for us to get into our heads because for some dumb reason, we want to be forgiven and then we want to hold on to our sins. Never understood that about me or you. I am forgiven and we sing all these wonderful songs and we quote all these wonderful scriptures and, and, and then we say, oh, but man, am I a sinner. How can you be dead to sin and still sin? So, here's a key. What is true of Christ is true of us. If I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, then I want you to know he's righteous. And so when God looks at me, he sees Christ and I'm righteous. That's why Paul addressed the Christians in the churches in his writings as saints. They're righteous. He says, okay, what is true of Christ is true of us. We're righteous. We're children of God. He is the child of God, but because we're in him, we are children of God. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That means we share equally with Christ because we're heirs with him, but we are joint heirs, which means everything that's his is mine also. Do you realize what God gave us when he forgave us and received us and made us his children? Everything that is Christ's is mine. It's yours. I'm in Christ and he is in me. That means his eternal life is my eternal life. His victory is my victory because he's living in me. So Romans 6, 7, 10 through 11 says this. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now, if we keep thinking as people who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ that we are sinners, then I want you to know that we're not going to be set free in our minds from what Christ has already set us free from. Now, if you miss the next two weeks, you won't understand what I'm saying today. But I'm telling you, it's what Paul teaches us. It's what the Bible teaches. And it's the thing that the church, I think, throughout the ages has not wanted people to really understand. You know why? Because, see, somehow the church always has wanted to keep some control on the people. Because if we can keep the people under our control, then we can help them live the way that we want them to live. And I want you to know I have nothing to do with how you live your life except to pray for you, to hopefully model some form of Christ before you, and to be there for you at any time. Otherwise, you know who keeps us and makes us acceptable to God? It's not the church, and it's not the pastor, and it's not the elders, and it's not anybody else. It's the Holy Spirit of God living in us which is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And he's the one that does the work in our lives. 
But the church has always wanted to kind of keep control on the people. Because if, if I can control you, then I can make you live the way I think you should live. And I want you to know I'm wrong much of the time. Because I can't tell you how to live your life. I can tell you what the Bible says. Then the Holy Spirit has to apply that to you. So I'm sorry I get off on stuff, but please notice Romans 6, 7, and 10, 11. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Then when he died, now watch, he died once to break the power of sin. One time, that's all it took. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be, watch, consider yourselves, if you know Jesus Christ as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, and you sure that you have that personal relationship with him, then consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. That whole thing of sinfulness, you're dead to it. It's gone. It's removed. You're forgiven. It's covered. It's buried. It's never to be dug up again. It's gone. You're dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Now, the thing that's in your mind is what about all these temptations that I have? Oops. And we're going to talk about those the next two weeks and how we deal with that. But here's the deal. The temptations will come, but I want you to know, sin has lost its power. So sin has no power. Have you ever tried to tempt a corpse? Um, I, I hope you haven't. <laughs> I, it's kind of a sick thought, you know? But if you ever tried to go over to Isle's uh, funeral home or to Hamilton's or somewhere and go to a body that's in a, a casket, all right? And, go over, and just before you do, go to the best restaurant in the city and get a juicy T-bone steak, sizzling, you know? And a beautiful blue cheese salad and, and a baked potato slit in the middle with, with butter and with sour cream and with chives and a lot of bacon on top of it. And then a good piece of nice garlic toast. And you take that platter and you put it right there in front of that corpse. What do you think is going to happen? Nothing. You know Why? It's dead. It's dead. So you're tempting that corpse like you can't believe, man. Best thing in the city. We'll throw some onion rings in. Best thing in the city. And the corpse just lies there. Because it's dead to the power of temptation. It's dead to the power of that tempting. You find the best Playboy magazine that there's ever been printed, if there is such a thing. With the most sensual pictures that have ever been published. And you take that and put that in the face of that corpse. What's going to happen? No reaction at all. You know why? Because it's dead. And when we're placed into Christ, everything about his death is applied to us. 
So everything he did and everything he bought for us on the cross is now ours. So what did he do on the cross? First of all, he defeated Satan. Satan is a defeated foe, and his, his destruction is assured. It's prophesied in the Bible. And not only did he defeat Satan, but he defeated sin. So sin has no more power on us because it has no power on Christ. He stood right in its face and defeated it. And death, what about death? Jesus died, but he rose again. And because he lives, I too shall live. So I'm never, Tom Allen is never going to die. Never going to die. My body will cease to function, and you might even shed a tear at my funeral. I hope you would. But the thing is that I'm not dead. Because to be absent from this carcass is to be what? Present with the Lord. I didn't die. Don't say Tom Allen's dead. My body's not moving. It's not even temptable anymore. But I'm alive like I've never been alive before. Because today you will be with me in paradise. I'm with the Lord. And then hell. What about hell? <laughs> Jesus defeated hell. Satan and sin and death and hell. He defeated them all when he died on the cross. And so all of that is removed from me. Everything that is Christ's is mine. God is now our Father. God is now our friend. The curse of death is gone. And we are righteous in the sight of God. So look how Paul summarizes this, Romans 6.14. He says, sin is no longer your master. You live under the freedom of God's grace. And I'll tell you, when you're living in the freedom of God's grace, boy, is it good. Now, the big question is this. Okay, Tom, I think we've got it after two Sundays. Stop talking about it. We've got the fact that the noun, sinfulness, is all taken care of. Wonderful. <laughs> but now, Tom, what about the verbs? See, the verbs are the behavior. Sinfulness is gone, but it still looks like there's sinful behavior here. There are times that I'm jealous and times that I'm angry and times that I'm unforgiving and there's times that I'm envious and there's times that I... And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And so what we do is after we're saved from sin, we start focusing on our quote-unquote behavior, our verbs. And Satan uses that to defeat us and discourage us and hold us down. And that has been, I think, the reason so many Christians live hypocritical lives and don't have the freedom of Christ and don't experience the joy, that abundant joy of the Lord that sets me free. So, next week, we're going to learn about our new life as children of God. And we're going to learn about the freedom now that we have because we are in Christ. Okay? Now let me just close off by saying this is your homework for this week. Okay? Um, when you find yourself being tempted, maybe to worry or to fear 
or to get angry or uh, to be jealous. Um, you can go ahead and go there, but just before you go to worry or fear or anger or unforgiveness or jealousy or whatever, I, I want you to pause and I want you to say this statement out loud, okay? Sin is not my master. I am dead to sin and alive to God. Let's say that together, okay? Sin is not my... Let's say it as if we might have just a little hope that it's true, okay? Just a little, okay? Let's say it, okay? Sin is not my master. I am dead to sin and alive to God. Okay? Now let's say it one more time. Sin is not my master. I am dead to sin, and I am alive to God. Now, after you say that, and you really concentrate, and you really mean it, then go ahead and worry, and fear, and be angry, and don't forgive, and get jealous, and cuss a little if you want to, you know, all this nice stuff. But I want you to know there's no reason for you to do that because sin isn't your master. You're dead to sin, and you're alive to God. So, so the only reason we do any of that stuff is because we choose to disobey. Not because we have to. No longer do we have to. You see, before we were saved, all we could do was sin because there was nothing good in us. There was no righteousness in us. And all of our good works were like a pile of filthy rags before God. After we're saved, that's all gone. And the power of that is all gone. Now, if we disobey our Father... It's because we choose to, because there's no power that says we have to. So where we're going to go the next two weeks is this. Do you want to obey, or do you want to disobey? And I hope that as we learn this truth, it will help us to live free. Now, that's where we're going the next two weeks. You're going to find this to be, I hope, as liberating a, a lessons as you've ever heard, if you can believe it. But before we do that, I just want to I, I uh, ask you to be sure of one thing. That down deep in your heart where you live with yourself, that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. What a tragedy it would be if we come and we hear the Word of God, maybe week after week after week, and, and we've never once and for all in our lives gotten this thing of our personal relationship with God through faith in what His Son Jesus did for us on the cross, settled in our lives. So I ask you the question, have you asked Christ with all the humility that you know with all the brokenness over your sinfulness that you know, have you asked him, believing he's the Son of God, to come into your life and forgive you of your sin and, and, and to remove your sinfulness that he paid the penalty for and to apply his new life in you, to come and live in your life, be your Savior, be your forgiver, be your leader.
Have you asked him to do that? It's like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And right here, folks, is where any pastor or any teacher has to totally take their mitts off of everything and just say, this is totally between you and God. It's not between you and me or this church or anybody else. It's between you and God. But if you know that today you need to ask Christ to come into your life and apply that great victory he won on the cross, victory over sinfulness and forgiveness and new life, if you want that applied to your life, then I would ask you just to humble yourself before him and confess your your need of a Savior, someone to forgive you of your sinfulness and believe that he will if you ask him and then receive his forgiveness and he says, I will come and live in you and I'll start directing your life in ways you never dreamed of. There's a prayer up on the screen. If you would like to ask Christ to come into your life, something like this prayer would be helpful for you to say to him. If that expresses what you'd like to say to God just in about 30 seconds of silence, we're going to uh, each have the opportunity to evaluate our own lives. Ask God to set us free. And if you need to receive Christ, pray that prayer. Ask him to come into your life. He's promised he will. We have to confess to you today, Lord, that we don't even begin to understand all that you've done for us because your ways are so mighty and so high and so beyond our understanding and your power is so great and your victory is so wonderful and all we can do is come and the best that we can in our humanity just say praise you. Thank you. We believe in you. Now help us to be free in life as we live for you. God, I pray that in these next two weeks, based off of these first two weeks, that we will have such a a strong foundation of the understanding of the grace of God and the forgiveness of Christ and the indwelling power of the presence of Christ in us that we will go out and we can look those temptations right in the face and we won't even react because we're dead to that sin. We're dead to that temptation. We're dead to that power. For anyone who received you today as their Savior, I pray you would bless their lives abundantly. Help us to know how to stand by each other and encourage each other and bless each other. We will give you the praise now and forever in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church. 
or by downloading our Simple.Church app.